standing there talking and then like the guy who works security at the bar he just walks in and he just goes well they're calling people outside to kick your ass now. so we have to sneak you out through this other Chinese place that we're connected to <laughs> and just get you out of here because they they're gonna be here and they're criminals so basically <laughs> they're gonna come here Hello and welcome to Deus Ex Comedian. My name is Ryan Bussell. I'll be your host. I am an American living in Sweden since 2006 and a comic since 2011. On this podcast, I'll be talking to comics who have retired uh, or they're taking a long break or they simply quit the grind and they're happy to perform just a handful of times per year. So what made them slow down or even stop performing altogether? Is there anything about the grind that they miss? Most importantly, without approval from drunk strangers, how instead do they fill that dark hole inside where a soul should be? Let's find out. My guest this week is a good friend and also someone who loves a good ginger joke. Jim Gruen. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming to my place. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're doing good? You got your driver's license? Yeah, yeah. Got it yesterday. It was... A hassle, and I fucking hated every moment of trying to get it. But finally, I have that shit, and I can get a car, and I can just drive by myself. It's weird for me cause from the states. I mean, getting a license is that's life. Like you, you start mm. if you're lucky, you start when you're where I'm from, 16 to learn, and then you get your license at 17. So Some states have like 16. At it can be lower. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fucked up. <laughs> I couldn't be drive a car when I was 16. <laughs> And it's also like it's much easier though in the states. Also, mm-hmm. the process is way more complicated. Like, for us, the our, our attitude is, you get a license, and then you learn to drive. Mm-hmm. And here, <laughs> as it should be, is the opposite. But don't you have like an overrepresentation in like accidents by with sixteen and seventeen year old yes. people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. But there's no connection between our attitude and that. That's just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> it's a complete coincidence. It's the same thing with the gun control. Yeah. Like it's just a coincidence. That's it's good to see you. As it's always. good to see you too, yeah. man. It's good to see you. It's been a while now. It has been a while. Yeah, it's been a few months. Right? Yeah, it has been. Yeah, yeah. and before that it was even longer. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, god damn. We need to start doing this more often. <laughs> we should. <laughs> so like thinking about like thinking about you and like thinking about when we met and I don't remember. Uh I was actually I was talking to uh, Yana Savanova about this. Mm-hmm. She's also another comic that, like, I just have known her. I, I can't pinpoint a time when I met her. Mm-hmm. And she says she's had experience a lot. Like she she thinks like for comics it's almost like by osmosis. Like you just like you go you have like a <laughs> period of life when you don't know those people and then you just know them. Yeah, yeah. And there's no real beginning. Yeah, but I can't remember like a, a, the single moment where I met you, but. I re- remember, like we talked about this a couple of times, the whole the whole story about us seeing a comic that's I don't need to name names or anything, but it's like it's a really popular comic, and you and I were both equally unamused, and we <laughs> caught each other's eye, like just just not laughing and not thinking it was funny at all, and everybody else dying, just the whole room just <laughs> dying, just wallowing over in their chairs and everything, and we you and I were just equally unamused by him. No, I actually think I'm telling that story because I also remember because that's that's the moment I feel like I bonded with you <laughs> because was at this gig it was one of the biggest ones that had ever done 
And Where was it? Do you remember? Yeah, it was the uh, School of Economics. Oh, uh, it was like a good college yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. It was like a big theater with a ton of people. It was, yeah, yeah. No, that was really, really on. Because I've known you from the start when I began. Hmm. That's why I've known you that long. But I remember just, just watching him, and I had a lot of respect for the guy, and hmm. he was slaughtering, hmm. but his jokes aren't really for me. Yeah. And I looked over at you, and you were like slumped against the wall, like your arms folded. It looked like you were <laughs> dying every, every second. I just, <laughs> I was thinking like, Wait, we're allowed to feel that way? It's, it's okay? Yeah, back then I was way more angry also. So, like, I would just feel like I was literally dying listening to his fucking stupid shit. But now I, I, I totally respect him. And, like, I'm in the wrong. He's doing tours, this guy. <laughs> so I'm in the wrong. I, he's funny. And I just don't get it. That's what's happening. Well, how long? When did you start? Mm, let's see. I started about... It must have been around like 2010, 2011, maybe. Okay, I, I started in 2011. And I started you were... in 2011. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I was a, like a year in when we started meeting, seeing each other. And uh, I started at the the place where a lot of comics started, like Bungie Comedy, mm. the competition where you have to. The, the, what appealed to me was the whole uh, the rule set of you don't you can't have performed anywhere else. This has to be your first time. At, the, at this event and uh, so that drew, drew me in because I always wanted to do comedy like I, I always loved stand-up like ever since I was a kid I watched a lot of stand-up uh, I watched Lengdi Brunnen like the Swedish show on in the state television it was a lot of fun I just sat glued on the TV watching that shit and but I, I believed I, I couldn't do it. Like, uh, you have to be way more witty and smart. Like, there's one thing to be funny among among friends, and there's one thing to actually write material and perform it. But when I saw this contest, I figured, like, why not? I can just try. It's just three minutes. So I can bomb for three minutes and <laughs> just walk off. That doesn't matter. And uh, I invited about 50 friends in this theater that took, like, 200 and uh, so of course they laughed they laughed their asses off at everything i said but they're my friends right so in the next room i performed i felt like i was the shit like i, I performed at komikase that mike resonant oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. friend and uh, i basically had like four friends there in a room full packed room and i just felt like oh well i, I got this handled like the first time just went off without a hitch so this time will be no no different and i can just improvise a little this doesn't matter and fuck me like i could hear the dishwashing machine like go on in the background i could hear people like correct their things like <laughs> the clickety clack of the table and that was so awful so i thought about quitting right there and then <laughs> but yeah that's where i started like at the bungee comedy show uh, eight comics performing in a row, uh, and uh, Anders Elin hosted it uh, with uh, Klaus Åkerblom. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of the middle comics performing was the, was the now household name Soran Ismail. Really? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the Knivsta native, the proud hometown boy. <laughs> He performed like in between, but the, back then he was a big deal. So I, was, I felt like, oh well, shit, like he's performing. And, and I believe Vera Druspe also performed like after him even. So that was a, a really fun experience. And uh, I performed last out of the eight comics. 
So I basically had to sit and watch seven shit three minutes <laughs> before I could go on. And I was so nervous. So just pacing back and forth, just sweating. Just, I feel like I could vomit like right there on the spot. And it was, I was so tense. I was so tense. Like I was tense like a month before. Like I have anxiety issues. And that didn't do wonders for my anxiety <laughs> issues basically. I had a month of just fucking just constant anxiety just walking around just holy fuck holy fuck i'm doing this i'm doing am i am i really fucking doing it? oh fuck 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 but yeah that was, that was it it was i did it and it went it went really well and i went on home on a high basically on the first time how did you do in the competition itself and they had this like system where one person passed on to the finals right away and everybody else went to the semifinals and get another chance. Uh, and I went to the semifinals, and I didn't get I didn't get picked the first time, and I, I didn't get picked the second time either. So okay. they, they basically just went out. And uh, I, I remember I spoke to Bella years later about uh, my performance there, and he said like, "Yeah, you were just fucking awful. I <laughs> I, I didn't even want to talk to you because you were so shitty." <laughs> That was a lot of fun to hear, like, a couple of years later. So, yeah, yeah, I, I went out. I went out. I'm, I don't even remember who won. Like, I, I believe he just... I saw him, like, a couple of years later, but he didn't even perform anymore. So, that was a shame, actually, because he was a lot of fun. Hmm. It was really funny. He had a lot of... He had proper, like, stand-up guy material. Like, he did, a, did really good. So, uh, it's a shame. It's a lot. It's a shame a lot of people quit. Actually, a lot of people I met over the years. But uh, yeah, I went out in the semifinals <laughs> of bungee comedy. Yeah, just uh, when I was preparing for this podcast mm -hmm. and just like thinking, uh, I've known several people who have like I've known uh, I know I've been close to some people mm -hmm. who have quit completely. Mm -hmm. But like, there's no way I could actually tell you how many people I've seen come and go. I've seen so mm -hmm. many people. Yeah. Just try for a few months and then, or if even that, and then just, just vanish. Yeah. But I know, I know a lot more people who just, just have just slowed down. Like they used to be out like seven nights a week mm -hmm. and now they're out once a month. Yeah. If that, like there's people I'm just, I was just used to seeing all the time mm -hmm. and now I barely see them. Yeah. They burn out. Some but, people just burn out. And I was just curious, like for this, preparing for this podcast, I was just curious, like, so who do I know that fits kind of fits this? pattern fits this mold mm -hmm. i just went through my like list on facebook just friends just like mm -hmm. thinking through and i got like the 50 names <laughs> Easy, easily <laughs> i was just like damn it's like so many people yeah and a lot of entertaining people like unfortunately so the and it was a lot of fun performing when i when i did it like more back in the days but what basically burned me out was the whole uh, the train ride uh, from uh, Uppsala to Stockholm every time. Yeah, because you're an hour away. Yeah, really. it's an hour away and it's an hour back. And I work the day after. It's basically a lot of weekdays where I'm gone the whole evening. And uh, I'm coming home at around 1 o'clock at night. And then I get get up, work, and then maybe perform again that very next night at another place. So that basically just burned me out. And I felt like no joy performing anymore after a while. Cause it was just so so much hassle like going back and forth and i just took a took a little while off 
and realized like well this felt really really good <laughs> taking <laughs> some time off so maybe i'll take some more time off and then more and more and more and then basically performed once a year after that hmm. and you know how it is like when you when you can't come up with new material either because you're not performing as much so then it becomes less fun to perform like it's a vicious circle of like a right. uh because you're not performing you're not coming up with new material and that's why you don't think it's as fun anymore so that's basically what happened to me so i've been thinking about it like some new jokes and everything but every time i perform nowadays like five or six friends want to come and watch and i don't want to fuck up in front of them so i just do my safe shit like every time well, don't tell your friends you're gonna do it <laughs> yeah that's basically what i need to do i just need to hide <laughs> Just need to hide. Now COVID and everything, so now it's really hard to perform anyway. So, well, that's me. <laughs> it really felt natural to me to just not perform <laughs> anymore, basically. Well, one thing I'm curious about, because you, you mentioned earlier, uh, you used to be much angrier. Yeah. And that's when I thought of when it comes to you, because when I, when I first met you, like even when you were happy, you weren't, you weren't having a good time. <laughs> I you could feel it. Still, there was there was like anger, like it could just like scratch the surface, and there's just this <laughs> anger that was there. Yeah, I mean that's that went away. I mean, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't felt that from you in a very long time. No, that, like I evolved as a person, okay. basically through the years, and uh, I worked a lot of on myself, like through my anxiety problems. I had to look at who I am and what makes me tick and everything, and uh, basically, it's actually a Swedish comics fault basically <laughs> because uh, I was such a huge fan of Magnus Bettner and uh, I used to watch him religiously like all his DVDs I have at home I have some signed even from mm. when I was just a fan and uh, I just loved his like angry like vicious style that he had and uh, it basically inspired me when I was with my friends to be like a little angry at things and like be funny about it but basically what that did was it I actually trained my mind to just look at things negatively because I need material hmm. for when I'm hanging out with my friends because they think this shit is funny so and then you basically become angry like for real like you with all this fucking mindfulness shit and everything you can read like you can actually train your mind to become a certain way and that's what I basically what I did I just started looking at everything negatively and I was just a really hateful uh, angry person and I used to always talk about things like that I hated them so much I fucking hate this and I hated this nowadays I realize like you, you don't hate this you just dislike this you don't <laughs> that's the base that's barely hate at all so but back in the day, yeah, definitely, I was a lot more angry. I was a lot more angry, and I was just, just stupid shit. Like I could get super angry about like somebody. Uh, when I'm walking in a store, you know, and like some people pass on through like a shelf, and they walk right in front of you, and they walk slow. <laughs> I could become like super pissed off and like even walk around at home like this fucking person just walking and fucking didn't even fucking see me everything oh, I'm like I'm invisible apparently and I was just it just spiraled on to like this bullshit thing that was me and that just spurred on my anxiety basically hmm. so I just realized I like I need to work on this and I need to be become a happier person because I feel better when I'm a happier person 
So that's basically what happened. Like over the many, many years of work on myself and my mind, that's basically what it evolved to. Like, so it's not, it's not there. I, I still have it. Like there's, it's still there some days, like some bad days, but, uh, all in all, I'm just so much happier and I'm just so much, I'm very, very happy about that also like that. I'm moved on from that person part of my life and mm. that persona that I basically had because it was just wasn't good it was just wasn't good for my soul and for my body and my mind and everything so yeah that's what happened <laughs> well do you feel like there's some connection between kind of letting go of the anger and also letting go of stamp no no basically no no and I don't think so at least like I, I don't see the connection there because basically I was like that angry person also without the stage like even before I performed the first time I was already an angry person mm. and uh, it basically I for sure maybe when I when I think about it maybe it spurred it on a little maybe it just worsened it a little because of the whole like traveling making me tired and that making me easier to get angry and you know that maybe it spiraled on from there but no, I don't be really believe like that just me quitting made me happier. It just, uh, I could have performed and still be, been more happy, more happy person just be, just from the, my habits and from what I did basically. Cause I felt like shit back then also, like I, you know, when you do stand up, like there's always free beer and everything. So I just poured on beer and everything and I wasn't like drinking until I got drunk or anything like that but I got fat <laughs> I got fat from all that fucking McDonald's and burgers and then just a beer here a beer there so that and that made me feel worse about myself and when I felt worse about myself the angry person came in and said well you don't fucking care about that anyway hmm. and but I did really I just pushing it down and that you know when when you push things down that just makes it worse so so to answer your question like no I don't really think uh, that quitting made me happier it's just I worked on myself like way before I even quit to become happier and then uh, and that that's basically what happened yeah. uh, one question I ask is Here's one thing I've never personally related to, but I've heard comics say it throughout history. Mm -hmm. This idea of oh, that first time I was on stage, that first laugh I got, mm -hmm. it, it was like crack. Like, mm -hmm. I, was like just, I just had to come back. I had to keep going. For, had to get the laugh. I had to get the laugh. And I just had to keep coming back for that. And I, I never, myself, never felt that. It, did you, was this when you experienced? Like, did you have that feeling? Mm, the first time I. Uh, I performed. I, of course, like I told you, I did. I did re really well because I have a lot of friends in the in the audience. Uh, but yeah, I was basically on a high after that. Like not from any specific laugh. Like this made me really like tick, but for the contest, and it was way nicer than uh, nicer style of comedy. Like you want glance more, mm. more than Magnus Petner, and I wanted me more. To, Magnus Petner than Johan Glantz obviously <laughs> even though Johan Glantz is really funny and I and I actually been to his shows a lot of times uh, it still just wasn't me but then I wrote like new material the fourth time and I performed with that and <laughs> I, uh, I I remember this it was also at Kumikaze uh, Mike Essen and again gave me time and um, 
I performed, uh, I written this like new six minute uh, material thing that I was gonna do, and I said, "Hi, I'm Jim," and I just forgot everything. I just forgot every single <laughs> word I ever <laughs> studied about that whole set, and and uh, this one like girl, like old lady in the audience, basically, went, well, come on, come on, and then she just applauded every and everybody applauded like a whole round, and then it all came back to me, hmm. and from there I was just basically crushing, like it, it went really, really well. And that's when I got the for real, real high, like, of, holy shit, like, this went so good, I could actually do this for a living, like, oh my god, this is so good, so good. And I basically, I think I actually got more of a reaction, because people saw how nervous I was from the beginning, and then I actually turned it around to have really good material. Uh, and that just spiraled it on, it was just so funny, so funny to perform, and so funny to, like, uh... uh you know, it was just I just had a really good set, and even like someone shouted something from the audience, and I just came back with something that was just funny. Hmm. I don't even remember what it was, but even that was felt good. Also, like oh, I even improvised and it fucking worked. And so from that that fucking point on, then that then I was addicted to that uh, that feeling, that high of the whole like oh, it was uh, it felt feels awesome to perform. But you then you be. You didn't really get hooked on that laugh? That no, one, like, no I, I never had that. Not not the laugh. For me, it was more... When I, when I write material or, or think of a joke mm-hmm. or think of a set, I'm thinking, okay, well, I, hope, I hope they laugh. I hope the audience laughs here. I hope they groan here. I hope they applaud there. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I do the set in reality and they react exactly the way I want them to, mm-hmm. then that I feel good. No, anyway. But it's not I wouldn't say it's necessarily the, the, the laugh. No, anyway. no like, like, like there's, there's some laughs that even hits you, like, I would describe it almost as a shockwave of laugh coming in. When everybody just starts laughing at the same time, that's, you can basically feel that in your body when you're standing on stage. And I could feel that like, pouring through my veins, basically. Yeah. <laughs> So that I would got addicted to that thing, but then for sure, like the whole uh, later on, I really loved the reaction of the mixed groan with laughter. Like I, I started loving that fun one because <laughs> that was so much more fun to to play with. Like the whole ah, oh, <laughs> like that whole thing. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had that, I had that. I think a lot of comics go through this period of like when you, when you first start, you really just want to entertain the crowd. You really want you really want to make them laugh, mm-hmm. and then it gets to be fun to make them groan <laughs> instead. <laughs> and I feel like maybe at, at some point you either develop out of that phase or that becomes your thing. Your thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I had a period when I had Down syndrome jokes. I mean, Down syndrome was a punchline for me. Yeah. And that, that lasted for a day, yeah, lasted a good while, and I mm-hmm. thought, that, okay, it actually is more fun to make him laugh, so I kind of steered <laughs> away from, from that. And then, and then Donnie wrote an article about Yeah, you. I'm hoping I talked to him on this podcast, actually, that I'm talking <laughs> about that exact thing. <laughs> well, did you contact contra- him or anything? Not yet, I'm not yeah, going to yeah, ask him. Yeah. A little early, early controversy in my, in my career. <laughs> That's fun. That would be awesome. <laughs> He's doing bands now or something, isn't he? Like he's, mar- he's like marketing his like Spotify, uh, like in a band and playing bass or something. Oh really? Yeah, I think oh. so. I'm not. I'm not sure though. 
I haven't spoken to him like in several years. Yeah, and that's the same for, same for me. Like, again, he's like one of the people I thought of. Like, I used to see him all the time doing his locked on impersonations. Yeah, and, yeah. But I think he did that recently. I I, I gotta check with him and see what yeah. he's up to. He used to work on he worked on radio there for a while, like as a comic relief guy and everything. And then he just vanished, like you said. And then I started seeing like him, him marketing his like Spotify things all the time. Okay. And he's like standing in those fucking band pictures, <laughs> those, those looking away afar things where you, <laughs> where you don't. Oh, uh, there's no camera here. I don't really know. And you're standing looking back there. That's... That, that's the bizarre thing about Facebook for me because that, I mean that was a way that I just kept in touch with people or just saw what they're up to. So, but it's all based on an algorithm. So, like for Paul, for example, Paul, I had. I knew he was like doing commentary for MMA. I had no really no idea what else he was doing, mm-hmm. and I just went to his page and actually saw okay, he has a podcast. He's been doing it for a while, mm-hmm. like he's, and he's constantly promoting it, mm-hmm. and it never comes to my feed. <laughs> so for me, it's like, I have no, I have no idea. I have <laughs> no idea what's going on. Yeah, I, I removed so many people like I that I don't see their updates just because of that fucking algorithm just placing people I don't really want to see anyway. So yeah. I just removed a lot of them. So. Now, now I see more of what I actually want to see on, on that. But then people are moving away from Facebook instead. Like, and people are shutting down their accounts and just yeah. using Messenger and everything. So that was, it was not worthwhile, basically, to clear that air, air of fucking <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but you're not, not necessarily very active on social media. No. Anyway. I'm, I'm in there a lot, but I don't post that much. Because I always come come down to that thought of, like, is it this even worth posting? Hmm. Like, uh, is this? Do people really care about this? Like, uh, because sometimes I even write like a status thing, and then I just go like, oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this is just gonna start a discussion or something, and I don't want a discussion. I like. Uh, I used to be a lot of, like po- posting a lot on social media, and I used to always like air what I thought and stuff like that. And I end up in, ended up like everybody else, like end up in arguments online and everything. Hmm. And, uh, but then I just realized, like, yeah, you're just the best retarded person in this <laughs> in this discussion. Like, so this, and nobody wins really, and nobody really tells like changes their mind in those discussions. No, or anything. they really don't. And then, so that basically, uh, why why do this? It just brings me more anxiety, more anger, and everything. So it's. I just moved away from it a lot, but I I do post like every once in a while, but it's it's far in between now, far between. I just have shit to do, basically. That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> I I really like slowed down a lot myself. Like it really wasn't that long ago, relatively speaking. But I'd go on Facebook and just go through the newsfeed and just just scroll, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't interested in like most of the stuff I was seeing. Just scroll, 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 scroll. And now it's like, okay, I'll, make, I'll, make a, I'll put a joke on there. I'll put, post a picture. And mm-hmm. I just go on, do it, and maybe scroll like a page, maybe. And then just back off. <laughs> but I'm, I, I, I can't blame being busy for it because I'm not busy at all now. Because I'd just rather <laughs> do anything else. <laughs> just, it's either staring into the wall yeah. or doing <laughs> this now. Yeah, there's TV, there's Xbox. <laughs> oh, shit. Social media, man. But I was, I was going to say, uh, you told me, again, recently, relatively speaking, but it wasn't that long ago, you, you told me you were going to do a gig and it was your 200th gig. Yeah. And I was really surprised by that because, like I said, like you were around 
like you were already established as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. When I started, I got to like 200th gig within two years. Yeah. So I was really, I was really surprised, but then I shouldn't have been surprised because either far away, yeah. took a long break. I just had a feeling you had just gotten a lot more. A lot more by, by then. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that basically you hit the nail on right there but because you lived in Seoul now back then yeah I was much so closer it was, down it then. was really close much closer and like I couldn't be like sure I could do more gigs like the whole week if I wanted to but uh, like how much is that gonna tear on me just from the whole fucking train and working and everything like that hmm. uh, so I just basically did, did I limited it to like three gigs a week at most uh, so that's basically why it took so long to hit, hit the 200 for me but I had a good gig. I remember two hundred. It was in Mafia. Yeah, mm, the Mafia in the Underbara Bar, I believe. I did it. No, this was this is this is just a few years. This was recent. Mm. It was in mm. Malman then. Hmm. Oh yeah, maybe. Or I could be wrong. Maybe Malman or Baras Bakke or something like that. Yeah, I don't really remember when I think about it now. It was Mafia. <laughs> mafia. <laughs> That's one thing with time. I, I think of things as being recent, and they could have been like, oh. oh it was eight years ago. Or, uh, <laughs> like, oh, crap. <laughs> I thought it happened like last year. You're still stressed about 9-11, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that happened yesterday. Well, didn't it? That's a, that, that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 20 and then, years And for me, like, when we say 20 years ago, I, I'm thinking 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like a 20-year-old, like a person actually became uh, like legal in, in like I don't really really know the English expression for it like the 18 basically he turned 18 and he turned two more years and he can go to fucking Sustainbologet he was born that day yeah. now he can go to Sustainbologet and just shop shop alcohol <laughs> god damn I always put it put like age in that like sort of sentence like okay uh, I did this and now a person born that day can drive a moped in Sweden, like they're 16. They can drive a car in fucking America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that just fucks my head sometimes. It just fucks up my head. I never, I don't, I'm, I turned 46 this year. And I, 46. I know, but I, I never really, I don't, I never, age never really mattered that much to me. Like I never really thought much of it. I didn't You're have stressed about it at all. No, I didn't, I didn't mm. have like a 30 year crisis or mm. even a 40 year crisis. Mm. Uh, just, I just don't really think about it. Mm. But I think about it now and then. Like I went, I went to a, went to a, a Holtzfred mm -hmm. music festival. This is this was years ago. Yeah. And uh, so I was there, and like next to our camp, there was a couple. The guy was from the United States. Mm -hmm. It was his first time in Sweden. It was a Swedish girlfriend. And we're having a conversation. Like he didn't understand Swedish at all. We were like talking about Sweden and America. What's better here? What's better there? And then she said, uh, like that she thinks the person number is a much better system than in the U.S. We have the social security yeah, number. Yeah, social security. Uh, which is like essentially random numbers, mm -hmm. but just the person number, you know, it makes much more sense because it's, it's, it's the year you're year you're born and your month month and a day. Mm -hmm. so just, like for example, my my person number is ninety three blah blah blah, and then they really hit me then like holy shit like I'm talking to I'm talking to an adult <laughs> who was born the year that I graduated high school. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And I definitely feel my age in stand up because in stand up it's it's all twenty year olds. It's it's all it's all <laughs> like, Oh my god, I'm gonna turn thirty in seven years. Like, shut, shut, shut up. <laughs> Forty six, huh? Yeah, my dad turns fifty four 
He's years. <laughs> <laughs> He's eight years older than you. <laughs> oh my god. That's why it's bizarre too. Like all my making friends in stand up, and my friends are all you know like half my age. <laughs> so I remember. Uh, so our our mutual friend Henrich. Yeah. It was half my age. Yeah. But he was telling me like a like a sex story, <laughs> like like some experience he think he had had with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, like I can't. I'm not gonna repeat it now, but I, 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 I can't relate. I can't, I can't compete <laughs> with this because, like, for me, like, like that wild story, like with my friends at that age, would have been like, we had sex on the first date. Oh my god, <laughs> she's crazy. Now it's <laughs> way more advanced than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they're fucking doing pirouettes and everything. <laughs> yeah, fucking Henrich, fucking big head face asshole. <laughs> Fuck my dick. <laughs> Water? Yeah, sure. But if I if I remember right, you you took a break when you moved even farther away. Yeah. But then you kind of came back. Yeah, what, I came back a little. Like I did a little bit more. I actually stepped it up a little when I moved back to Uppsala uh, because I lived for a while out in like this hillbilly <laughs> hillbilly <laughs> place, like out called Yalosa. Outside of Uppsala, it's like 40 minutes with a bus just to get to Uppsala, and then another hour to get to Stockholm. Yeah. So it was, I guess, it was just too much, too much for me to go there. So, but yeah, yeah. But when I moved back to Uppsala, I, I tried it a little more, but I just felt like I felt off, you know, and I just didn't have the timing and everything, and I just didn't want to do the work to get back to where I was <laughs> basically, and I and the whole fucking new material thing. Uh, no new material and uh, yeah that and that burned me out again so I was just like ah oh, no I just don't really feel like it I don't feel the same like want or need to get on stage because hmm. you know this like the whole thing with uh, you, you think of a joke and immediately you think like I need to get on stage now right to get this out of me just to I want to get this get this out and now you're excited about it and you really want to perform I just lost that feeling somewhere along the road. I don't really know where, but somewhere along there, I just lost it completely. And I just felt too comfortable at home and everything. And so, but I perform every once in a while nowadays, but it's basically just a run through of my old shit. Like the whole, the same, <laughs> same fucking jokes all the time. And they just, <laughs> they just tires me out again. So. No, but I, but I, but I want to perform like once COVID over, I want to perform like uh, every once in a while and just try it out. And who knows, maybe I will get the whole joy for it back one day. Uh, I also got to- so tired because like I, I feel like in stand up, there was a lot of kissing ass to get ahead, basically. Hmm. And I just hated seeing that work for a lot of people. And uh like most stand-up people, I was just happy for them. Like you get to perform on Raw, that's fucking awesome. Like that's that's so cool. Like and that's so cool that I know you and now you perform at Raw. But then there were some people who were just like, "You're not even, you you're not that talented." You, I saw you talk to this guy and just kiss his ass all the time, and now you're performing at this place. And I like, oh, I just got so tired of that thing too. I think it's a very common feeling amongst, amongst comics. Yeah, I also think I also think it's part of like kind of our, our development as comics. Also, when, when you first start, 
you have that feeling of like, oh my god, I can put them here. Like you see their comics are around. Like mm-hmm. oh my god, like they they're so experienced. They know what they're doing. Blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm so I'm here, mm-hmm. and then it takes about six like six months later. It's just like I'm like fuck that guy. I'm like, <laughs> why, why is he performing there? I'm I should be there. I'm finer than him. I'm better. Yeah. I'm better than him. I was talking to uh, Paul Devaya about that thing too. About, about the um, uh, when it comes to the length of time, it looks like the, the experience you have mm-hmm. compared. Like Stockholm was bizarre that way because in like like in London or in New York, and you've been performing for less than ten years than you are clearly a rookie mm-hmm. and here it's like i've performed three times in six months i'm an established comic now like, <laughs> there's not, not much uh what do you call it there's like a st- level of self-awareness so just mm-hmm. realize like okay i'm not that experienced yet mm-hmm. you, can, you can still be a rookie even after a few years yeah exactly i actually have a, i have a funny paul devaya story uh and uh, if paul ever sees this i i I love you, Paul. Just this, this fucking <laughs> this whole thing was just so stupid, and uh, because Paul was emceeing at Mafia and I was performing, and uh, he was gonna bring me up on stage, and uh, he didn't some material like in between every comic, uh, but then when it was time to introduce me, I'm standing there in the stairs at Mafia just waiting to get on stage, and he starts playing a YouTube clip on his phone. And he's holding it up to the mic and just playing it out <laughs> like that's his that's his warm up for me. He's just playing that whole that whole like like a, I don't know what it was like a Kenyan pastor going like they eat the poopoo, they eat oh, yeah, the poopoo, they lick yeah. they lick the poopoo or something like that. I don't really remember what it was, but he just played that out. That was his like oh and now Jim Kroon after this YouTube clip, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> was so stupid. <laughs> And I was just standing, it was just going on and on, and people were just so unamused by the whole situation, <laughs> like you're playing a, a clip instead of talking about it. And oh my god. Yeah, like I said, I love you, Paul, but that was fucking stupid. I forgot to bring up with Paul, uh, another story I have about him, also Mafia. So it's in that stairwell next to the stage, mm-hmm. where the comics used to hang out, we watch person on stage. And he had, he brought, uh, had a girl there with him. And she stood in that stairwell with the rest of us. So she was like in front of us, mm-hmm. me and a few other people. She was in front of us watching whatever, whatever comic was on stage. And then she just blasted a fart. Just like a, it was clearly <laughs> a fart. And it was clearly her. And it stank. So the rest was behind her. I, and she like, she pretended not to move. Like she like, didn't notice anything. And we were just like, like choking and also dying, trying not to <laughs> laugh, brutally laugh, which we did after she left. But then she went uh, up to Paul after the show, and she said, uh, "Oh, it was, it was so weird. I was staying, I was staying watching the show, and uh, my shoe broke." <laughs> so, okay, well, it stank too. When your shoe broke. <laughs> yeah, that fucking that staircase is fucking legendary. That's where that's where Alireza walked up to me, uh, uh, and he said, uh, "Jim, Jim, what's this?" Mm, mm. I said, I don't know. He says, it's a gay t- T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> it was the stupidest joke I've ever heard in my life. Oh, that's so typical fucking him. I know, I love that guy too. We're, we're also, at our bar, bar, me and Alarissa were singing at the bar one night, just talking. And all of a sudden, like, it gets, there's like, it gets smell, like shit, like something's burning. 
mm-hmm. and then look over it. He had, he was wearing a sweater, and he like had his arm over like with like a, like a tea candle <laughs> on the bar, and just lit his sweater on fire. All he just didn't even know us at all. <laughs> And he's so he's so weird and awkward and they just yeah I just I love that guy yeah he he won uh, I forget where it was it comics, was like a comic, comic or something like yeah that. he's gonna yeah. say it was like I think it was like the, the comics uh, Christmas table the Yule, mm. Yule board yeah, yeah, yeah he got comics comic and yeah that's a well deserved award. yeah <laughs> yeah he was a lot of fun and he always hated when you told him he was weird and awkward. And everything. Do you remember that discussion we had in the car, like out in Vedder? Yeah. Yeah. When we, when I just called him weird, and he just took so much offense. <laughs> me calling, I'm saying it in a positive way. Like I, I like you because you're weird. Like that's the fun part of hanging out with you because you never know what you're gonna say or do, <laughs> and that's the fun part. Like when nobody else does that, and that's weird. <laughs> like can you just understand that it's not so negative as you try to make it to be. <laughs> Yeah, but that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun with him. Oh, so again, about Under Bar Bar, I was mentioning that to Paul. Is that I don't want to be that person that like looks back at the past and thinks, like, oh, like things were so much better then or more fun then. But I, I do miss that. But I have like a lot of like fond memories mm-hmm. from that from that bar. Yeah, Under Bar Bar was fucking awesome. It was just really, really, really awesome. It was just a great hangout, like the backstage area. Yeah, and that's why I enjoyed it the most. Mm-hmm. Just the hang. You could just walk down there and like no people, just comics, and you could just hang. It was even like a smoke room right there. It was. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's right. Yeah. They had a smoke room before they rebuilt it. You, you could just walk in there, and, like have a cigarette inside. <laughs> like what the fuck was that even? <laughs> what I like most about that place, I think it's like, uh, Mafia Comedy was there, and I, I think it's. It's always been this way with Mafia. If it's on a Friday and Saturday night, mm-hmm. you can never really relax there because you never really know what's going to be like. Mm-hmm. It, it, exactly. it can be if you're doing Friday and Saturday, it could be amazing on Friday and then just dog shit on Saturday, yeah. or the other way around, or both nights be bad or both nights be good. Yeah, it's, exactly, exactly. I remember that, and you always got like a like that was a common known thing among comics. Like if you go to Big Ben and you do your material, don't trust that material because they laugh at anything but if you go to mafia and they laugh you got something because like every once in a while you get those shitty shows and they don't laugh at barely anything yeah so you just that you got an honest response basically not that they were really fake at big ben it was just a great vibe there always so you, like it's almost impossible to bomb there even though you you bombed oh, okay. <laughs> definitely bombed <laughs> that's not easy but yes I've absolutely succeeded several times. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Victor Lemire, he, he performed at, at Big Ben and he did just, I, I believe it was the worst set I've ever seen at Big Ben. <laughs> it was just, people were just so like anti-laughing basically. <laughs> and I, oh, we still laugh about that sometimes, like I can even fucking write to him sometimes just for the, you remember that fucking Big Ben set? Yeah, that was fucking awful. <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot of... I, I miss the people the most, like, from performing. Like, the people you would meet. Like, Victor Lanier, like, when Donnie Nude used to do it, I was great friends with him. He was uh, even, like, visiting me sometimes in Uppsala oh, yeah. back in the day. And, of course, you and Henrich and, uh, like, Adil. I really miss seeing Adil. Adil is a fucking lovely human being. I, I, and also an asshole at the same time. 
uh, and also fuck his mother. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I miss. Uh, that's what I miss the most with the, the hang, like the whole thing, and that's why mafia stands out in my mind because of that fucking backstage. Yeah, that was hang. the most. That was the best hangout club I've, yeah. I've ever been at. Yeah, it was so much fun. So much fun. And Autumn Flam getting high back there and everything. <laughs> and everything. It was so fun. <laughs> you never knew what you would get there. I filmed my, uh, I mentioned before I didn't have a 40 year crisis, but I, I kind of did. Mm -hmm. That's I, I filmed a special. Mm -hmm. I was going to do my, my, like, my one hour special. Mm -hmm. And I just, I had so much hubris because I, I really should, what I should have done, because I filmed it on Friday, it was Friday and Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I was headlining both nights. I wore the same clothes. We filmed both nights. I thought, okay, I'm gonna cut, gonna cut, cut, cut the best stuff from Friday with the best stuff from Saturday, make it look like one long, mm -hmm. one long set. And what I should have done, I should have done the same set Friday as I did Saturday, mm -hmm. just to get the really the best. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to show what I could do, so I did. I, I wrote two separate forty minute sets. Mm -hmm. All right. Which I just want to show I, that that's how much stuff I've got. <laughs> but I should not have done it that way. So on, on Friday, it was like half. Full. We're half empty. Depending how you want to look at it. Was this at Underbar? Underbar bar. Yeah, I remember you recording this thing, but I don't really remember where it was or anything like that. Yeah, it was Underbar bar. Mm -hmm. So on the Friday night, it was like half full, and but there the crowd was great. It was like a really good feeling in the room. And then Saturday was sold out. It was like just standing room it was absolutely packed. Mm -hmm. And about halfway in, I just realized like shit, I'm bombing. It's <laughs> like not only am I bombing, I'm headlining. And I'm filming. There's like four cameras in the room <laughs> recording me. Bomb. I can rewatch the scene <laughs> later. And my back was just soaked. I had to flop sweat. Like, like, <laughs> like you don't know. You, if you don't really know, you're bombing until you can feel drops just coming down your back. But I'm happy. I'm happy to say I turned it around. Though by the by the end of the set, I actually turned it around. Mm. So so by the end of the special, uh, there's actually material from the Saturday night, which which was good. <laughs> but it also reached the, also a good sign for me in my like development as a comic. Like up until that point, if I was in the middle of a set that was not going well, I would just walk off stage. Just like, all right, well, this is going to shit, so bye. <laughs> and then you worked and you turned it around. Yeah, I turned it around. So that was, that was a good feeling. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, was that your worst bombing then? Filming and everything? Well, filming, yeah. Uh, my worst bombing, uh, that was in. I don't know if I told the story yet. I'm not sure I have. My absolute worst bombing was uh, Soul in the Comedy Club. Oh, I remember Soul in the Comedy Club. I was, yeah, I was, <laughs> was so, I was so excited. Yeah, it was Barrow's oh, Place. Oh my God. I was so excited uh, because it was like, I was going to do like 12 minutes. It was my longest set ever by far. Mm -hmm. And I invited like a bunch of people to see me and I just bombed so terribly. <laughs> was there a lot of people there or was it like besides your friends? No, well, no, there was not a lot. Well, yes and no. There were a lot of people there, mm -hmm. but not for the show. <laughs> and there was, and there was no stage, so there was just a table. Like it was like standing, it was like standing like this. Like I'm like next to a table full of people who were literally annoyed there was a show going on. It's so like right here, there's someone who's just visibly agitated. I'm actually speaking to the microphone. It was so bad. That was a, that was a Thursday. I, I think I went to I went home. I was in Solna where I lived, mm -hmm. so I walked from the bar to my apartment. And just like I think, laid in bed for the rest of the four-day weekend. Just, just... <laughs> yeah, I remember Soul Night Comedy Club. I performed there once, and they had to postpone the show because Oiko uh, was having a match. Yeah, there was usually a stadium right across the street from the yeah, bar, yeah. and their fans were there. Uh, so 
they were basically singing louder than any speaker could <laughs> could go. <laughs> so they used to uh, we're just gonna postpone it like to later, and then they pushed it like a half hour, and it went into overtime. Their fucking game. Okay. So you had to push it another half hour, and then it went into penalties. Their fucking. Game. <laughs> so you had to push it another fifteen, and. Fortunately, they won, so we figured like, oh well, maybe they'll stay because they're happy. But basically, they were they were singing through the first three comics, nobody caring <laughs> that anybody was on stage, and that was so awful. And luckily, I didn't perform when they were there. They like they realized like, oh, we're, there's a, there's a show going on, we don't want this, so they basically walked out and walked into to another bar. Uh, so I got to perform, but then it was like four people left in the room, and that was just so <laughs> awful. It was so awful. Oh my god! And I remember Simon got to be performing the same night, and he always did good, but at that night he was just so you could just tell he was just fidgeting with stuff, and he was just hey, hey, good, funny thing you said. <laughs> oh my god, that was the worst thing about that night that I bombed because like I mean, it was everything was against me. It's like the people here don't want the show it was a wireless microphone that just screamed feedback if it moved <laughs> in any direction the, like, the speaker was like right above my head so so i felt like i was screaming but people like in the back of the room they were actually trying to pay attention couldn't hear what i was saying it was just so bad so when i walked off stage and just felt like absolute garbage but then the next comp went up and also bombed and i was like oh, oh okay well maybe it's, it's not me and the next time went up and also bombed and i thought oh, okay well right and then melody melody farshan went on mm. and just killed like mm. like she turned everyone's attention just like people who didn't care for the show before all paid attention and it was a good show from that point on like, oh damn it. my god that's the worst feeling ever <laughs> like you're blaming the room and then all of a sudden somebody comes up and just dominates yes. <laughs> oh it's me it's not, it's oh, I've, not I've, I've said that a million times which my comic comes to stage like oh it's just it's a tough crowd. Yeah. This, is, this is a tough room. Like, you know, no, it's like you're just not very good. <laughs> oh my god. My my worst bombing or maybe not worst bombing, but worst show ever was in uh, in Borlänge, uh, up in Dalarna. Uh, and we were supposed to do two shows at the same place, like this British pub place. Uh, whatever it's called, Williams, Harrison's, whatever. And um, we did one show like at six, and then one another show at eight or nine, I think it was. And the first show at six, like there were uh, a group of girls sitting right here, uh, like I'm on stage and they're here, and there was two drunks in the bar, and then no other people. It was just basically <laughs> five, six people in the whole room. <laughs> so I performed, and these this, these like group of girls here they didn't like me at all or my, t my material or anything so they just basically didn't laugh at all these two drunks they laughed a lot and uh, so then we go to the nine o'clock show uh, or eight or whatever it was and the room gets packed so i'm excited about performing the second time uh, but the same group of girls is right here and they're just getting drunker and drunker <laughs> and drunker at every fucking comic walking up and when they see me walk up on stage I can audibly hear them say oh no <laughs> <laughs> and I'd still do the same material I did the first show uh, 
and they just start to go like ah, oh, ah, oh, like like not even not even the one I kind of like, just a, just a disgusting like like ah, oh, ah, oh. and then I'm performing and one of those girls just start raising her hand, like, and I'm just ignoring her and she's just keeping her hand up and just sitting there. So I turn to her and I go like, well, this isn't school, uh, so. I'm not gonna give you the word and fuck you. <laughs> and she just went. She just went. Oh, excuse me. And I said, well, and then you can piss in your own mouth. <laughs> and then a bit, and a bit, <laughs> the other people like in the in the crowd, they just laughed their ass off. They thought it was funny as hell. Uh, and then she said, piss in my own mouth. And I said, yeah. Well, physically, you can just lay on your neck and you piss right <laughs> up at the angle of that. And I was just <laughs> explaining like an equation for her, like how she would do it. And people were just dying laughing. I remember seeing a, like 10 cell phones going like this up to my face and then to them and to me and to them and to me. So like people like, oh, it's going down. And uh, I finished my set like and they were still like talking shit to me like the whole I started ignoring them. Uh, and uh, I walked off stage and the one girl I told to piss in her own mouth, she just walked up behind me. Grabbed the microphone and started going, I fucking kill you. I fucking hate you, fucking asshole. I fucking hate you. And then, like, the the, the guy who worked the bar, he just came and threw her on the shoulder and just walked out with her, <laughs> screaming at the, the whole way out. And uh, I remember standing in the crowd, and everybody just started looking at me, and I just went like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know what that was. And then another girl from that group stands up, and she goes... I'll fucking kill you, fuck you, I hate you. And then the, the guard comes up and he throws her out too. And uh, then someone in the crowd tells me that's her mom. Like the first girl's mom stands up and said the same shit. She got thrown out. And then this drunk guy walks up to me with his beer and he just goes, well, you can't really say that to people. And, uh, and then I, I, I ask him not to be like aggressive or anything. I just ask him like, what do you mean? Like, what part couldn't I couldn't I say? And then he just stood there for an extra few seconds, and he goes, "I oh, want well, never mind." And then he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> so then we're standing there. It's me, Jan de Linskog, and like I don't really remember who else was there. Um, and we just standing there talking, and then. Like the guy who works security at the bar, he just walks in and he just goes, well, they're calling people outside to kick your ass now. <laughs> so we have to sneak you out through this other Chinese place that we're connected to <laughs> and uh, just get you out of here because they, they're going to be here and they're criminals. So basically <laughs> they're going to come here. So I remember us sneaking out the back and walking around a building and coming out a parking lot and you could see like a few hundred meters down where they were still standing outside the bar just going, ah, ah, ah. you couldn't tell what they're, they were saying or anything. And we just jumped in a car and left Borlinge. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was fucking awful. <laughs> but I didn't bomb then, but it was just like, it was such a weird show, like we've been... <laughs> Well, these, ones, these are the ones you remember. You don't yeah. remember the, the good ones. <laughs> but my worst bombing must have been like that second show at uh, at Komikaze uh, when I had four friends in a packed room and I thought I was a shit and I was just basically shit. That was just so that was so awful. Like nobody laughed. 
and Mike actually sent me a clip of it afterwards. Really? So I rewatched it once. I had so much anxiety just rewatching it. I <laughs> deleted it from my computer, and unfortunately, I wish I had it now. Yeah, but I say, I wish I could, yeah, it's I great. I, could, I wish I could see it now because that was just so awful. <laughs> I found so I found one that not so long ago, a couple of years ago. Now uh, I was just like going through my computer, just looking through like different video things, mm-hmm. and I have a recording of me, no, before the beard. At Underbar Bar, mm-hmm. just eating complete shit for six <laughs> minutes. It's so it's so bad. <laughs> but the great look back on, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's awful. <laughs> Don't you feel it like crawling your skin a little when you listen to that? Because that's how I would feel. Like I would feel, like, yeah, I would still laugh at it and would still see the humor in it, but I would still go like, oh, fuck it, this is so awkward. You're still listening to this shit. And for me, like when when I see it. My, I saw that video in particular mm-hmm. when I'm just bombing, and yeah, I am feeling like cringy, <laughs> but I'm not like cringing because the crowd didn't like me. I'm cringing at my own performance no, or, right. or how how bad it was. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I could have done that better. I, I can see how they or... saw it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and that and after that show, you just went down. He's like, oh, it's a tough room. It's a <laughs> exactly, that exactly room. right. You just blame the room. <laughs> God, one of my, uh, one, I, I performed so little last year, mm-hmm. uh, but, but, but one of the gigs I did it was just god awful. Like mm-hmm. I actually, I actually even like commented, like you know the expression, like it's so quiet you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I tweeted like, I'm pretty sure I heard someone think about dropping a pin. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's how quiet. That's it was. how bad it was. <laughs> oh my god. There's something look, looking on the crowd and they're seeing a woman like you see her tonsils. She's yawning so hard. <laughs> 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 was that a comedy club then, or was that like that was a mafia? Club? That was a mafia. That mafia. was no, no mafia. Uh, it was a star, star comedy club. Mm. Oh so, yeah, just eight blue shit. But but now, but now, like when it happens, I don't, I don't like that first one. That first one I bombed. I like I said, I felt horrible for for days. But I mean, since then, like if we have a gig and it doesn't go very well, it's like oh, okay, well, yeah, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel very good, but it also doesn't feel like the no, end of the world or no exactly that that first that's probably what made that what my worst bombing is was it was my second time performing so it was just basically i had no frame of reference to like how awful it was or like anything like that but i still like this was it felt so awful that my friends got there and they got to see this awful gig and everything but then the same friends came like a different time and i killed so they got to see like both sides of it yeah and then it just got and it just got better and i just got better with in dealing with it and uh, like like you said now it doesn't really face me if, if it if it happens because you know like you know it, oh it's just a bad night i was bad or the crowd was not really good <laughs> or whatever it was just something was off this night yeah and i know on the celine basically he hates when you try to blame the room or anything like that yeah he it, always it, goes, yeah. no it's you it's you. <laughs> you can't blame the room. It's you. Well, one experience I had at Underbar Bar with my that's when I started hosting. Uh, was was Mafia? What was there? Mm-hmm. And learned a lot from hosting there because uh, it was one night that went on, and the crowd just did not like me from the start <laughs> as, as host. Like it's my, it's my job. It's so now you have to get up several times. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's my job to get the crowd going, and they're just not interested in a word I have to say. So I was like, oh, okay, well, here's the first comic and went off stage and that first comic went on and just bombed and I was like oh, shit I gotta, gotta turn around so I went, went back on stage again 
and was just trying to be a little more energetic or something. They gave me nothing again. <laughs> went on stage. Next time I went on, also bombed. Oh. And then I was, at that point, I was just like kind of pacing, just thing like trying to think like what what do I have? Like what what do I have? what what guaranteed gold do I have? And I couldn't think of anything. And then Lazlo, who ran the place, came like charging directly at me, and he just had this like fury in his face. And I was just thinking, oh, fuck, shit, okay, now he's going to tear me apart for doing a bad job. Mm. And he just got my face and just, like, like had a finger out and just said, this crowd sucks. <laughs> like, it's like, it's your job. Like, you yell at them. You have to tell them they <laughs> suck. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I, went, I, went on, I, just went, I just went on stage and just said, like, this is folks, this is a show. You have a job to do. We're doing our part. You need to be better. And they actually, they actually turned the night around. Oh, right. And that... That was the, that's like one of my like key memories, like 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 my career, my established career. <laughs> of looking back, like okay, you know what? Sometimes the crowd can suck, yeah, but, yeah. but I, I also agree with understand. Like you can never really blame the crowd either. Like like with Melody at that Solon Club, mm. that Did was that able to turn able to turn around. Yeah. You should be able to turn around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always love uh, like uh, Henry's line uh, when he's bombing, uh, and he just goes, "I have twelve more minutes." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like 12 minutes left and yeah. like, even though he's had 4 minutes or whatever and it doesn't matter but he's like oh, 12 minutes left I guess we need to sit through this shit from what you've seen because like, you haven't been performing very much but you've, you've come out to shows a few times mm -hmm. uh, do, do you feel like the scene is much different than it was when you first started or is it the same no it's basically the same like from, from what I remember it uh, just a lot of new faces like uh, that also struck me when I started performing again like okay and now I know like one person on the set list and you used to know everybody yeah and or at least know who everybody was or something like that but now I just it's just so, like you said so many so many young people that are just I don't know who you are and I don't I don't know uh, who this guy is this guy is anymore and that I think that actually like helped along with the whole like not performing as much thing because I used to know everybody and now I don't know anybody. Mm. It's the same reason I don't go go to bars anymore. Like I used to know everybody in the bar, like, but now I don't know anybody. So what's the fun in that? But uh, no, it hasn't. It hasn't changed much. Like I, not from what I've seen at least. Like the, the, you've been out more than me though. Have you? Like notice any difference like in material or anything no for me it's pretty much the same yeah. uh because like, clubs come and go there are certain clubs that have been around forever but mm. sometimes there can be like eight clubs open a week and mm. sometimes there's only two and then yeah. kind of, they wax and wax and wane yeah, yeah exactly. i think it's more or less the same but i still see like a lot of new faces yeah. and that's actually one question i've been asking a lot uh, on this podcast is like how does it feel for you like let's say you're gonna, you're gonna go to big ben mm -hmm. and go perform and you walk in and it's a room of full of comics that we've never seen before. They've never seen you before. Mm -hmm. And they're not giving you the time of day because they don't know who you are. They don't know how much experience you have and how long you've been doing this. Exactly. Do you do you feel like any kind of like a, like anxiety over that or, or, or anger? Or like, yeah. oh, it's like, do I know who I am? No, no, I don't feel any anger about it. I think it's actually funny because uh, uh, I, I know I'm going to go up and do well. So they're always going to be like, they don't care about me because they have never seen me on stage right. or anything like that. They have, they have no frame of reference of who I am. So, uh, so I think it's actually more fun to just go up and 
if it goes really well kill in front of them just to go like oh well fuck you i know how to do this shit <laughs> <laughs> because last time i performed at big ben it went really really well uh it was like december last year like 2018 then basically okay yeah, yeah no, 19 19 yeah, 19, yeah. i'm 21 21 now fuck uh but I, I did really well, but uh, Bunderud told me that one of the other, like, uh, younger comics there just went up and like, is this first time? <laughs> because they didn't even know who I was. And then, and then he he thought about, like, playing along and just going, yeah, it's his first time, it's just a natural. But he just, he just went the other way and just told him, like, nah, he's been doing this for a long, long time. So. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it's more, I think it's actually a little, a little funny. But, uh like I said, it, like it, I missed the hang. I missed the hang with the whole thing. Uh, missed the hang out with the old crews. It was fun. The last time I was a Big Ben before the show, I met a guy. It was he told me it was going to be his third gig ever. Mm -hmm. So he's just starting. And then he was asking me. He just asked me like, uh, "So how how long have you been doing this?" Mm -hmm. I was almost embarrassed to say like, oh, "I'm ten years." <laughs> I get it, I'm very self conscious of that. It, it felt like I was saying to the guy like. You know, if you work really hard, <laughs> you're being his mentor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you work really hard and really apply yourself in ten years, you can still be here. <laughs> you can still be at the same fucking place. <laughs> so, that's where I already were. Yeah, I, I went there uh, last. Uh, and so it's, we've been spring 2019. I was, I was not really performing very much there, but I went. No, sorry, no, spring last year, spring 2020. Mm -hmm. When did I perform? And the host put me up first, <laughs> which I don't care. I don't care about. I don't care about going first. Not really. Like I, I like I know people like will avoid being first, like the, yeah, the plague. But yeah. of course, you're going to do better if the crowd's warmed up, yeah. like later on in the show. Yeah. But I feel like if you if you need the crowd to be warmed up to have a good set, yeah. it doesn't really say much about you as a comic. So yeah. I don't really care about going first. For me, it was more like okay, well. I've been coming here for ten. Like I started here. I've been coming here for ten years. Like the guy knows me, and first, huh? All right, all right. Well, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a for sure sign. Like, well, you're you're the new guy on the block here, so yeah, I just put you first <laughs> because if later, good, the better days think you are, later to put you on the show or before breaks even like before the first break that's a big one that's my app but that's for me that's the best spot of the night is the yeah. last comic before the break and i love that spot the and the last comic of, of the night uh, i but the, the, by then like like mafia they always do 489 <laughs> comics every night <laughs> so the last comic they're all so tired so i never like the spot there <laughs> but a big ben it, it sometimes it works out and sometimes it don't because sometimes they just run run too long like uh, I remember Jason Robbs doing fucking I don't know like an hour uh, <laughs> after two hours of comedy <laughs> so that's basically and <laughs> the whole fucking the guidebook of how to fucking fail at Big Ben <laughs> he didn't even care though but that's why I was thinking I thought of him today I had a memory of uh, again under bar bar so sitting like downstairs like you know we went all the way downstairs in the smoke room there's that area to kind of sit down mm -hmm. so all the there hanging out before the show and i was sitting by myself i was writing my notebook and at the my table a little over uh ralph was sitting with eric bomberg mm -hmm. and ralph has back to me eric was like, facing me 
And I just, I don't know what they're talking about, but I heard my name. So I like, overheard. Uh, so Jason just said, uh, oh, Ryan, he's a nice guy, but he's he's wider than Jim Gaffigan's knee. <laughs> <laughs> and Baumberg knew I heard it. He looked looked at me. He just had this really she look in his face like, eh. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Like, no, I'm not. I'm not cool. Okay. <laughs> I'm not cool. I'm not 50 years old wearing a grill. Not yet. <laughs> Why did Jim Gaffigan mean that's a good one? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that that's also a part of uh, like the hang I talked about, like the mi missing the hang, the good ribs. Like sometimes some people just fucking hit you with something really, really good, and you would just cry laughing yeah. because and it was about you even like you know i just loved i missed those i missed those moments i believe i i think adil once said i was the product of retard sperm and i just <laughs> cried i just cried laughing because i was just picturing someone shooting and just going and just the you go in like in a microscope and they just go oh <laughs> <laughs> I once drove him at a road gig. It was uh, I drove. I was like through the comics in the, in the in the car. He was in the back seat, and for stock like stop him driving on south for four hours, and he talked nonstop the entire <laughs> trip down. It was like having the radio on. It was like listening, it was like listening to talk radio. He just had a monologue going for four four hours straight. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. You can do that. I went to Oslo with him, him and Victor Linier, and we went by train from Stockholm all the way to Oslo. And uh, I, I, and he, he was just talking up a storm then also, um, and uh, I remember him sitting like on the on the outside seat, and Linnea was sitting on the inside one, and I was sitting across from them, and Adil did a silent fart. <laughs> he just <laughs> leaned over a little and looked at me like you know what I'm doing, and then you farted, and I knew Linnea fucking hates hates the smell of farts like he hates it <laughs> and so he's just sitting there with his computer with his headphones on and you can just tell he just goes <laughs> and then he, he tries to get out this way and Adil's blocking him so he just starts climbing the wall like a fucking lizard like oh oh no <laughs> I used to laugh I used to laugh my fucking ass off <laughs> oh my god that was so funny it was so funny that ride. You're staying in that fucking apartment in Oslo. You stayed in that, right? Yeah. It was yeah. at the set the Brewers fucking apartment that they owned in the middle of uh, in central Oslo, basically, right? It was yeah. close to the whole government building where Breivik did his thing. Because uh, because I remember being there once, and there was just uh, this big fence like in the whole in the wave of it that was after the the attacks in oslo so i remember this big big fence like you couldn't even look into that hmm. place I, I don't think it was recent after either it was just it was several several months but they were just blocking it off and rebuilding like there at the time and yeah that's that's where uh victor linear uh i'm sorry if i'm ruining your state driven radio gig right now victor but <laughs> he opened up a taxi he was drunk I was drunk. He opened up a taxi and he goes, I want to go where the bomb went off <laughs> because he didn't know the street. <laughs> and the guy goes, huh? And Linnea starts going, boom. 
like that and I, so I just pulled him away like fuck we're gonna get arrested outside this place when you're doing this shit oh there's so many of those fucking road road stories that I just I miss having miss having those experiences I went to that club mm -hmm. twice so I say I, going to Oslo did, did the gig say the apartment mm -hmm. uh, there twice the second time I was there it had been a while since I was there the first time and I didn't remember where the apartment was mm -hmm. I went straight to the club for the gig, and then after the gig, we all like went out mm -hmm. drinking, like bar hopping, mm -hmm. and just with the host who was going, to, just waiting for him to lead me to the apartment, because I was like flying back to Stockholm, like ten things like ten a.m. flight. Mm -hmm. But it's still pretty. I want to get some sleep. I was going to go straight to work mm -hmm. after I landed in Stockholm, like like a half day of work. Uh, we got like, like okay, now it's one o'clock in the morning. Now it's two o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning, the bar is finally closing that we're in. And he was shit-faced. I was like, I really have to get back to the apartment. And long story short, like he purposely caused a fight. Like he's purposely <laughs> picked a fight with someone. Chased the guy for blocks. Like it was just one, it was one, the one guy he was pissed off with at was walking with like three of his buddies. <laughs> Down the street, the host of the show was chasing after them, just taunting him, screaming at him. And then meanwhile, <laughs> my, meanwhile, like I'm in tow, like, Stop! Come on! Like, don't, just stop! Like, take me, take me to the apartment. Eventually, like all four of them turned around and yeah. just beat the shit out of him. Like, <laughs> just not, I just watched because I knew I knew like he wanted he wanted to get into a bar fight. Like he, we talked before, like he was kind of feeling low. Like he wanted to get into a fight. So I mean, they were like literally stomping the guy. And one, like, oh, one of the guys, and they, were, and they were like college like prep boys. <laughs> It's like one of the guys like came up to me. He's like, "Oh, like you want some?" Like chest out. Like I just like this is what he, he this is what he wants. <laughs> so they just got tired of kicking him and they walked away. And he just got up laughing, like they <laughs> they didn't kick him in the face, Lee. So that was good. <laughs> oh, and then we just God. walked around. Literally just walked around the, the streets for a while. And then I just went to the train station, and just waited for the first train. I just didn't sleep. <laughs> so I only stayed in the barn once. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I stayed in it twice. I stayed in it twice, and it was just they had its old porn mags there and everything. Like yeah, that was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, was there. I heard about that in advance. It was a so weird I, place. I got checked. <laughs> <laughs> that was the artist department. Yeah, and I, I rem actually remember they had old like movies there also because I remember watching Independence Day with Will Smith. Yes, because me, I think it was me, Adil, and Victor then. And we were just laughing about how stupid of a movie it was, and we just popped it in and just started <laughs> laughing our asses off. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> he just knocks out with a right Is this an Ali movie again? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I miss those. I miss those fucking road, road things. Or like, yeah, like I said, the hang. The hang is just a lot of fun. A lot of fun with comics because obviously there's funny people so obviously there's gonna be a lot of laughs and a lot of jokes and a lot of inside jokes and everything and that's yeah I miss that part I miss that part the most is that enough of a draw to kind of bring you back into it that's enough of a draw for me to not like uh, just quit entirely because I haven't announced that I'm like oh, I'm officially retiring as right. a comic even though I like I wouldn't because I felt feel that's like a stupid thing for me to do like I'm nobody so why should I announce that I'm quitting stand-up but 
the the reason I still want to do it sometimes is because I miss that whole fucking just meeting people and just hanging with people and having a lot of fun and just so I, I don't think it would be enough to draw me back into the old old days because it's still that fucking train that whole train ride right it's just gonna kill me eventually uh, but it's enough to keep me hanging around the whole scene and everything like Laszlo Laszlo fucking opened the club because he loved the hang still like it, or at least he told me that was one of his, uh, one of the reasons why he started. He was actually a talented comic, and then he just he liked to hang too much, so mm. he didn't want to quit, and then he quit. But he started a club. So, so now to answer your question, no, I don't think it's enough to draw me back, but it's enough to make me stick around a little, right? Do gigs every now and then. It's a lot of fun. Well, now we told several war stories, which is nice. Yeah, because that's how like the end. That's how I'm hoping to end each episode. Because mm-hmm. the only reason why I'm doing this, I, I also I miss the hang. I I just miss talking to other comics because mm-hmm. it's just like what did say? Like we just the stories just not flow. You start mm-hmm. talking about the worst gigs, bad gigs. So I, I asked you in advance to kind of think of something to end with. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you may, if you already told the story or if you have mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. in mind. Uh, like I said, like in a war, a war story. That's what yeah. you're answering. No, I believe I already. That was the boring one, basically. That I really okay. wanted, I really wanted to get out. But I, there's, there's just so many. There's just so many weird, uh, weird ass gigs that I've had. Uh, like once I performed for H and M, rent me in as like a uh, their comic at their their like office party thing. Not the off- official office of H and M, but a small like section of H and M that that has stored that store had a office party and they rented me in. And uh, I'm not really a like my material doesn't really fit that whole setting, as you know. <laughs> and they, I was, I was gonna, I was just pacing back and forth, and they were telling me that, like you can do 25 minutes, you can even do more if you want. Uh, but I only had material for basically like 20 so I was thinking uh, like maybe I'll just stretch this out like the material that I have or try something new even I don't know and uh, I walked up they uh, they announced me as a surprise comic and that's always awful always 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 awful because nobody's ready to laugh nobody's ready to listen to you they want to have a band they want to drink they want to do their thing and uh, so they walk so I walk up I do my first joke to complete silence complete like to a room of 200 people nobody like even cracked a smile basically it was so quiet and I did my second joke and it bombed even worse third joke like now nobody's even paying attention to me anymore they're not talking or anything they're just like turning their face away from me because they're so ashamed of what's going on and uh I did basically two more jokes that also bombed and then I walked off and they they were gonna pay me like 2,000 krona and <laughs> the and I just basically told them that, like, that you don't need to pay me like that was just that was just bullshit that was that was so <laughs> bad that was so bad and then of course the girl that ran me in comes with that, that that stupid line that almost all comics heard once in their life well I laughed like yeah that didn't help at all and you couldn't hear it yeah, so I inside <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> but they basically they paid me still they still paid me they gave me a champagne bottle even because like oh well that was just awful for you i'm yes. sorry that happened to you <laughs> and uh, yeah that was oh, that was that was one of the most awful gigs i ever had but i could handle it better because i had a few years on my neck by, back then and uh, i could just do a gig the day after and just do good but yeah that was so awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the worst word for you. The story I want to tell because because you're here. Mm -hmm. uh, like so for me, so I'm an American living in Sweden. I started performing here. I'm pretty much always performing English. I've, I've performed a handful of times in Swedish, but most of the time, like ninety nine percent of the time or more, it's it's performing in in English, mm -hmm. which is not a problem because everyone here speaks English or at least understands English quite well mm -hmm. up to like a certain age. I, I would say like around like fifty years old. It starts getting a little hit or miss. Like the old, the older someone gets, the less likely it is that their English is particularly strong. Mm -hmm. So if, if I perform in a room where it's the average age is much higher than a typical comedy club, it can get a little dicey. Like I'm not sure how this is gonna go. So I was performing. I was doing a summer gig uh, out in like the Swedish countryside, like middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So it was this big place, restaurant, not a typical club. It's just sunlight, just brightly lit. Mm -hmm. High ceiling, just not a really place for comedy, but everyone was there. Actually, was actually there for the show, which was nice. It was a pretty full restaurant, but the average age was at least forty or more. So <laughs> all a lot of old people, a lot of old people, a lot, a lot of families. But it's a lot of old people, so I really wasn't sure how this is going to go. So I went on stage, and it was like, no, no, it went okay. I could see like some looks on people's faces, like they weren't quite comprehending, but overall, it was like doing well. And I don't do crowd work really at all, but I have a very heavily scripted fake crowd work bit mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. I pick a girl and I start asking her questions mm -hmm. and it gets to the point I'm asking her how she wants to receive oral sex. Mm -hmm. And then the big closer is, uh, can I ask you a personal question? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But of course I need to pick someone, like, pick someone who actually understood English and there weren't that many options for me near the stage. Mm -hmm. But I saw a girl near the stage and I figured she was probably like 19, 20 ish. And I thought, oh. and she looked like she was singing with her family. Uh, that made me even funnier, but it gets even, even more awkward. Mm -hmm. So I started talking to her, just started asking her questions. Like it, it doesn't start off harsh. It starts off fairly simple. Like, are, are you do you have a boyfriend? What do, you like, what do you like in a guy? And I was just getting this blank stare. Like she just didn't understand what mm -hmm. I was saying. Like. I said, do you not? I'm just asking in Swedish, like, you know, do you speak? Do you speak English? Hmm. And she like she shook her head. Just completely derailed me. <laughs> just totally, just awful. Like, okay, it was just, and that was my big closer. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I like pressed on anyway. I think I just got like pressing on, mm -hmm. and like someone like leaned over and I like, started translating <laughs> the questions for her, which didn't really work. And I just like left the stage, like, oh. okay, uh, that didn't that didn't work. And then after the show, or like actually, as soon as I walked off the stage, the host came up to me and said, "That that's Jim Croon's family. That's Jim Croon's <laughs> sister." Yeah, I remember this. I remember this story. <laughs> it's like no shade in your sister, but how does she not understand English? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> no, it's just my mom is awful at English and everything. So, yeah, I, re I remember you telling me this story, and it was just I was so so awkward that was my family basically you were 
because <laughs> yeah, you you were not there. Like no, you weren't I wasn't there. there. I wasn't there. There was you. This club was out where my parents lived, like basically not far away from where they lived. So they they just love comedy. So they just went there and. They, well, my sister don't know English, yes. <laughs> don't speak English very well. So. I never met her again, but I, I've met your parents a few yeah. times. Since then. I don't know if they, we, I didn't bring it up. I don't know if they remember me. Insanely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they've seen you a couple of times though, like through the years, because they actually came and saw me like ten times maybe. Okay. So, so they were. Uh, they were always like supportive and everything and they always thought like the crowds were like nah that was a bad crowd they even would tell me like it was a bad crowd hmm. like before i even thought about it so they they i don't think they mind uh, at all but i don't know <laughs> if they remembered because i don't i don't remember them telling me i remember you telling me yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was a, <laughs> that's a, such a funny coincidence like Ponte Strabek even roasted me in front of my family in out there, and I wasn't even there right. that time either. <laughs> that's right, he went there. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Was that the same? That night was the same night. Yeah. Oh my god, my family took a beating then. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll wrap it up. I guess yeah. you have nothing to plug. No, no, I have nothing to plug. Okay, no, just do your thing. Just okay. I'll, I'll just sit here and watch you wrap up it's, the show. It's quite simple. So thank you, Jim, for being here. Well, thank you, Brian. Thanks, everyone, for watching or listening. See you next time. <laughs> See you.